0: Well, Nashville Predators are going to have to finish their tough December without one of their best defensemen. We'll talk about who needs to step up to replace Ryan McDonough. Plus, if you're GM of the Nashville Predators, what's one move you make for the rest of the season that helps shore up this team? And Western Conference Wednesday, we'll take a look at some teams that are performing maybe above their pay grade and ask, are they for real? That's coming up today on the Lockdown Predators podcast.
1: locked on predators your daily podcast on the nashville predators part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
0: thank you for making locked on predators your first listen of the day we are your free Nashville Predators podcast that's available to you wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. I'm Nick Morgan. I'm a writer and editor at OnTheForeCheck.com, and I have a partner in crime who still has a job because she's not the one that traded A.J. Brown to the Philadelphia
1: Eagles. I would not have done that. For the record, I would not have done that. I'm Ann Kimmel. I'm a writer and editor at InsideThePreds.com.
0: Well, in retrospect, of course you wouldn't have done that now.
1: I, w- I was not a fan of that even at the time. I really was not a fan of that. Well, like, there's, like, all, like,
0: the, the articles that have come out have been, like, you know, John Robinson wasn't fired from the Titans because, you know, of A.J. Brown. There's just a lot of stuff. It came two days after A.J. Brown torched the Titans.
1: Yeah. Look, I mean, if if it wasn't... You made it look that way. I think, I mean, it had to have been. Look, the A.J. Brown thing has been a thing. You remember Mike Vrabel, his reaction when they traded him? Like, you knew. Everybody knew. Mike Vrabel does not do poker face. He does poker language. And you (laughs) knew. I mean, you knew that that was bothering him. And I really, you know, and then to come back and have A.J. Brown just you know, kind of tear up the Titans, like you can put these pieces together and it makes such an interesting narrative. I, I, it, it makes a really good story, but man, I don't know, Titans. I, don't, I mean, it's an interesting, it's interesting to do it during the season. A lot of people are like, should have waited till the end of the season. I don't know.
0: I mean, I, I can't remember a team, uh, who has been like, who has Basically, more or less, guaranteed a playoff spot. Like the Titans would have to have one of the worst collapses in NFL history, yeah. And either either the Colts or Jaguars would have to have like one of the best runs in NFL history, uh, to to get the Titans out of the playoffs. So I mean, they're they're pretty close to a guarantee. Uh, and what seven and five? So it's yeah. not like, you know, they're a bottom feeder. This has to be like one of the first times I've seen a playoff team mid-season uh get rid of their GM while they're still like in the playoff hunt. It's it's absolutely wild and
1: uh... That's why I think there's a message in it. The time I agree timing is everything. Timing a lot of times tells a story. Mm-hmm. That's why I think you know there there's something to this whole like a j Brown just stuck it to us and you stuck it to us when you traded a j brown. so let's bring this full circle and we're gonna stick it to you <laughs> yeah. what we were
0: talking about this before. what would be the predator's equivalent that would get like David Poyle fired midseason
1: like if honestly, if it almost feels like um you would have to get rid of somebody on the level of like almost Philip Forsberg, almost like Roman um, Yossi, Roman understand. like almost like take the play like take your best player who's the one that that you absolutely kind of have to have to make all the other people good, and then like Mikael Granlund, Mikael Granlund, last season, Mikael Granlund, yeah. <laughs> last season's Mikael um, Granlund. Yeah like take that person and just be like eh. and and yeah. but would that do that let's let's dig deeper into that question nick I, I, what I, what would he have to do to get fired midseason? and is there actually anything
0: i thought you were gonna say like rem pit like all of a sudden becomes a uh... 60 goal NHL score, which
1: hey, he got one last night. So he's on his way. I still look, y'all.
0: 59 more to go this year.
1: <laughs> it can happen. And but I will say this Rem Pitlick is a symptom of what I think is a little bit of a hitch in the GM giddy up in Nashville. But that may be a whole nother podcast. But yeah. I don't know. What what do you think? What 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 do you think that uh, David Poyle would have to do to get the old <sighs> Midseason,
0: I don't know. It's right now. It kind of seems like he's immune to getting away with pretty much anything. So yeah.
1: like, it but would be like that bad. I mean, honestly, let's have an honest conversation because you know, uh, Twitter, everything is elevated. Mm-hmm. Is David Poyle a terrible GM?
0: I don't think he's a terrible GM. Um, do you I think, think he's there's... a GM
1: that needs to go? I mean,
0: let's see how the predators do the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, if, if it were if it were up to me and I think mm-hmm. I've said this before, I would have let go of David Poyle in 2013 when they let go of Barry Trotz. Was it 2013 or 2014? Thinking think that might have been 2014 mm-hmm. uh, because I would have said this regime has been in charge for 15, 16 years and hit a wall. I would have gotten a whole new fresh start. Like, I, I, I don't think David Poyle's a bad GM. I, I really don't. I know a lot of people are hitting up the, the fire Poyle thing. Oh, um, yeah. I I think he's I think he's kind of caught between eras right mm-hmm. now. You know, he wants to, you know, he's putting the Preds with, like, the old school mentality in mind. But, you know, he's, he's you know, attempts to, you know, everybody's, like, saying those, well, the Preds. You know they can't do this old school mentality. They gotta get faster. You know they gotta get more finesse. Uh, David Poyle, to his credit, tried that. It didn't work. Mm-hmm. Like I can, I have a picture of Kyle Turris. I can show everybody if if you want. Like I, see- I mean, give. I don't. I don't think David Poyle's a bad coach. Um, or bad GM. Mm-hmm. I just think it's,
1: yeah. No, yeah, I,
0: I don't. I don't think he's a bad. I don't think he's a bad GM.
1: Yeah. I you look back at a lot of even like I was looking back at like, okay, what were some of the things just recently, like in the offseason, that he did or didn't do that people were like, hashtag firepoil, you know, and some of the people that he signed, like he signed Kevin Lincoln And I'll be honest, yeah. I was one of those people that I was like, somebody stop this man.
0: I I was wrong about Kevin Lincoln.
1: I was wrong about I, Kevin Lincoln.
0: I will sit here and scream that. I was like, I thought that was the most pointless move of this offseason and Yes. Boy, that is looking like a absolutely team changing move right there.
1: Yes. You know, I think about that. Uh, I think Nino Nita great signing. Uh, I wonder if we missed some opportunities, but you look like Jordan Gross is somebody that he signed. Kiefer Sherwood is somebody. And I know what everybody is like. Kiefer Sherwood, he burned out. He's no good. Y'all just wait. He may come back. And when yeah. he does, he'll have enough of you. So you look at all of these things. And and I was one of those too. I was like, when he signed Kevin Lincoln and I'm like, please take $1.5 million and flush it down the toilet next time. So we don't have to take up a locker space. Like there is no reason for this, but all of these little things that he has done, some of them are panning out okay. Yeah. I so, mean
0: like he he brought back Mikhail Granland multiple mm-hmm. times, you yep. know, first on a prove it contract, then on like a big contract. Yeah. Um, I mean, he got the Forsberg deal done. He got Roman yep. Yossi locked up long term. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's, you know, he's had some hits.
1: Yeah. The other thing that I think that he did that caused a lot of raised eyebrows recently, but I think in the end was was a, a genius move, was uh, exposing Duchesne and Johansson in the expansion draft and protecting Janot. Not necessarily uh, so much, not whoa. so much necessarily about Janot, but I think the message that he sent to, jo- to Duchesne and Johansson was received. I don't think that movie is mean, so I, much about, think, you know, as I them. think you
0: I think you got to give Ron Francis at Seattle a fruit basket for not having that one bite him in the butt, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I just I'm like, look, like bold move, bold move. But I think, yeah. you know, like I said, it, David, Poyle is a, a name and a verb, he's going to David Poyle. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it sent a message, but it is also one of those things. If Matt Duchesne is in Seattle right now and <laughs> having the season he did last year for the Kraken, I think everybody's like, "Really? Like really? Th- this is what happens?" Yeah,
1: I don't yeah. know. He's made some interesting moves. Some, you know, and I think I don't know. I'm not. I'm not on the firepoil yet.
0: Yeah. Uh, what if What if Ellie Tolvanen winds up getting traded and becoming like a
1: 50 goal scorer? Ellie Tolvanen is going to wind up traded. Ellie yep. Tolvanen is going to be a successful forward somewhere else. Like, I have had to, in recent weeks, just make peace with that myself. And yep. and I don't like it, but that, I mean, I don't see how else this is going to play that's, out. That's, so. I mean, yeah, I mean, that that's
0: somebody who needs fresh air. Well, hey, let's talk about that in a second, because we are going to talk about one trade we would make if we're the GM plus uh, Preds lose Ryan McDonough. For two to four weeks. Uh, is there anybody in Milwaukee, primarily named Jordan Gross, <laughs> that can step up and carry that load for the next couple of weeks for the Nashville Predators? We'll talk about that in a second, but first want to mention today's show is sponsored by Bet Online. Betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer, esports, they've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts like the one you're listening to right now, you can find those at BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Betonline, where the game starts. And let's talk about Moves we would make. We talked about right before the break. Ellie mm-hmm. uh You think it's it's a foregone conclusion that Tolvanen's going to get traded, uh, moved somewhere, maybe put on waivers.
1: That I mean, is not acceptable.
0: But go ahead. I mean, but at the same time, like if you're an NHL team, how motivated are you to? give up probably what the Predators would want in a trade for Ellie Tolvanen because it's, it's look, and we know, we've talked about this before, like, you know, last season was bad scoring wise, but you look at kind of the metrics and you saw he was doing a lot of other things, right. You know, pretty good 200 foot game. This year is just bad. Like he's, he's got kind of no numbers to back up Um, anything he's doing kind of well right now. I mean, but you know, he also if, hasn't if,
1: had much of a chance to turn that around. If you look at like Roman Yossi, his numbers weren't exceptional at the beginning of the season when he had like sure. that five game dry spell. So but yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, his resume right now for this season, not terrific. Yeah. I mean, he's
0: it's he's trending more towards Mika Salamaki than Mikhail Grantland at this point. Right. But yeah I mean, I mean, but I mean, here's the thing, like That is, I think, something Poyle should address sooner rather than later because you can't just have him collecting dust. And honestly, the best thing for Tolvanen right now would probably be going back to Milwaukee and just playing somewhere, getting that confidence up because it's starting to be clear. um, This is like the Victor Arvidson from a few years ago. It's just you watch him, you watch how John Hines is kind of using him and it's like, okay, it's it's... Good player, but it's not going to be here. Like this isn't. Right. He's just not playing the way that John Hines wants to play long term. Um, I mean, is it like is is it done? Does he go to Milwaukee? Does somebody claim him? I, I I don't know. Like he needs to be playing somewhere in order to play himself back. Uh, Milwaukee, if you're a Preds fan, is the best case scenario because he can go in there, you know get some top six minutes, get his play going. And then maybe, you know, if injuries or something happened down the road, you bring him back up. Um, but again, like there's other teams in the NHL that will look and they'll see a former first round pick from 2017, not that long ago. Right. You know, trying to find ice time to prove himself. And there's a, probably a lot of teams that are going to jump on that.
1: Yeah, I think there's something to be said for for that path that you're talking about. Get him some ice time because he really has not had an opportunity this season to get his numbers up, to show his style of play, to make him, to increase his value in a trade. It would so break my heart if we put him on waivers and that's how we lost him because really at the end of the day, whether he's a good fit here or not, Ellie Tolvanen is a talented hockey player who – is he has trade value. He has trade value. You just, he's not in a position to increase that or to advertise that right now. And there is some dynamic there with Ellie Tolvanen. And I I know that you talk about the Victor Arvidsson thing, and I can see where Victor Arvidsson didn't necessarily fit the system in, as far as things like playing that kind of physicality. You know, Arvidsson was more that zippy little speed. But it feels like Ellie Tolvanen's game should fit here, and it just—I can't figure out why it doesn't. But I agree with you. I best case scenario for Ellie Tolvanen would be to go to Milwaukee to get ice time, to kind of find his game again, to find those things like you said that made his two hundred foot game last season—you know—pretty remarkable. That kind of kept him in the mix a little bit more than it has this season. And then see what happens. But I'll be honest with you. I've completely made my peace with the fact that we will probably not see Ellie Tolvenin as a Nashville Predator long term. I think it sucks. Yeah. But I just don't see how else this plays out.
0: Yeah. Uh, to make matters worse, Tolvenin drafted nine spots ahead of Jason Robertson. Oh, gosh. Who is, yeah. Who is like
1: incredible.
0: Incredible. Who's looking like one of the best goal scorers in the NHL? Um, let's look at some other options and let's put our GM hats on. Mm-hmm. Let's say there's a Tolvin trade, or maybe this is something separate. Um, what's, a, what's one deal that you would make to bolster this current Preds lineup? Is there a position? Is there a player? Um, is there like somebody for a line that you would try to get? to make this Preds team maybe a more complete team?
1: That's a great question. Honestly, and, and this is separate from the fact that we just lost Ryan McDonough for two to four weeks. My first instinct is I would go out and get a defenseman, not because there aren't some good ones kind of in the pipeline eventually for the Nashville Predators, but where the team is right now, you have Mark borvietsky out Now you have McDonough out, but even separate from those, you look at where the defense was running without Borvietsky. and I don't know where we're at. Like, I don't know how much we're going to see him this season. I don't know. I haven't heard anything, but he's not there. But you have a really great pairing. I'm loving the McDonough-Yossi. When we have McDonough, I really like that. Ekholm Carrier is a really solid defensive pairing in the in the NHL. You know, not just for the Predators, but just in the NHL, they're they're playing really well together. It's that third pairing where I'm like, you know, Dante Fabro, he ain't nothing. Dante Fabro yeah. ain't nothing. Um, Jeremy Lazan, we have some opportunities for growth. Uh, Jordan Gross coming up. Okay, but I really feel like defensively, especially with like you look at the number of shots that Kevin Lankinen took the other night. You look at, you know, let's see how many shots that Tampa Bay Lightning put up against, you know, UC Soros, who I'm assuming will be a net on Thursday night. Like, I just think defensively, you get one more player to kind of shore up defensive depth, and I think that makes the Predators a little bit better.
0: Well, let's let's segue into that then, because of course the big news this week is Ryan McDonough is out two to four weeks with a upper body injury. Preds won't disclose what, but I bet it has something to do with blocking a shot with his face. That's awful. Wait, wait to kind of hide that one. Preds. Um, If, if you're, I mean, Jordan gross is the guy that's come up from Milwaukee uh, he has played with Roman Yossi in the past. So mm-hmm. I'm sure the Preds are maybe going to try to make that a first line. Does that give you any sort of confidence? I mean, what, I mean, the Preds are already missing borvietsky They've played with six defensemen on the active roster for pretty much ever since Borvietsky went down. Yeah. We talked about Jeremy Lazan, you know, Having some good games, but also some kind of bad moments. That four year contract is looking great right now. Yes. I mean, is this like, is this what you're going to be happy with for the next month of play with teams like Tampa Bay and Colorado twice and Dallas coming up? Like, is, is, do you look at this and be like, oh, yeah, like this is, this is what I'm rolling with. Or do you have to maybe start kicking around the NHL?
1: I mean, where this is at timing wise, I think is a big thing. This is December and we've talked about it. December's a gauntlet. So it's this losing McDonough makes this so much more challenging and let's be real. This was not going to be a cakewalk anyway for the Nashville Predators. So for me, yeah, I do. And and look, I think Jordan Gross is extremely talented. He was defensive player of the year in the AHL last year. This is somebody who is very talented, but you need somebody right now at the NHL level. Like they have to be able to compete at the NHL level. Like there's where the predators are in the schedule, where they are in the standings, every single game counts and. In- This may not be the time for a player to plug in a player for, you know, five, six, seven games on a learning curve. They're going to have to, I think, unless David Poyle, David Poyles, but I don't know. I'm not a hundred percent sure this is, this is the, going to be the key to success. I don't know. I'm a optimist, but there's still a hitch in my giddy up about this. Yeah. I mean, I, what would you do? David Poyle is on the line. He wants to know what you would do.
0: Uh, well, first off, I would have retroactively not given Jeremy Lozano a four-year contract. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think – I mean, it's, it's two to four weeks for McDonough. Mm-hmm. So it's like you don't want to blow up, you know, a deal just for that. And I get that argument. But mm-hmm. at the same time – this is probably a good opportunity to see what your team is made of. You're thin on defense anyway. I would have liked to maybe see something other than Jordan Gross, and I don't know really what that is. I think you have to make a defensive move anyway at some point, whether that's bringing somebody else up from Milwaukee. Maybe that's waiting to see if there's somebody that hits like the waiver wire. Yeah. Um, which I mean, there really haven't been a lot of defensemen. Maybe you're kicking the tires on, you know, a depth deal. Uh, but again, this early in the year, I'm not really sure who's going to be like, sure, I'll give you a third line, third pair right. defenseman.
1: Right. You know, everybody's
0: going to kind of, you know, wanting to see what they have, unless you're, you know, Toronto or Ottawa, who are more gung ho and more interested in getting. You know, top line defenseman. So, I mean, it, it's it's uh, it's between a rock and a hard place for David Poyle. And look, it's coming at a bad time because Roman Yosi was absolutely cooking, mm-hmm. and a lot of that has to do with he got to be more free playing alongside Ryan McDonough. Ryan McDonough gave him an anchor. Yes, he didn't have to, you know, kind of worry about you know always kind of looking over his shoulder. His pairing kind of got burned earlier in this year because of that. And then, you know, they move McDonough over. And that's the best that Roman Yossi has played on either side of the ice all season. Absolutely. Uh, do you have that same trust in Jordan Gross? Probably not.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you move Alexander Carey up and try to get him going, even though that pairing didn't really work much earlier this season? Uh, do you give Dante Fabro another shot up there on that top line? Somebody who has had some pretty good success with Roman Yossi. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how the Predators figure this out. But, you know, I, I I don't know if Jordan Gross is going to be the guy that glues this defense together for the next, you know, however, a little bit. This is where you really miss Mark Borvietsky, because Mark Borviatsky yes. could have been that guy.
1: Yes. 100%, you know, and hate to see McDonough go down, but I think you, because you've lost one more defenseman, you realize Mark Borvietsky is an even bigger loss than what it felt like before. So, no, I agree with you. And like you said, I mean, the Predators are coming into a really rough stretch. They've got some central division competition coming up, and they need to not suck they need to win some of these games. So we're going to talk about some of the Central Division teams uh, and the Western Conference in general because it is, in fact, Western Conference Wednesday. So we're going to talk about a couple of these teams in the Western Conference that are making waves. And Nick and I are going to tell you, do we think that they are the real deal or are they just stealing some wins? We're going to jump into that topic here in just a second. But first, we want to thank you for making Locked on Predators your first listen for today. For your second listen today, you need to go and you need to check out Locked On Sports today. Locked On Sports today has all the games that matter across all of the different leagues. Every sport you can think of, they cover the biggest stories happening today in sports. You get to go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes. You'll get insight from local experts that only Locked On can provide so go and check out locked on sports today you can find it on this app they are on youtube and you can check it out wherever you get your favorite podcast
0: all right so it's western conference wednesday it's time to look around some of the other teams around the western conference Mm -hmm. and today we're going to look at some of the surprises and we're going to ask is this for real (laughs) <laughs> A.K.A. maybe this is a good team that is, you know, high in the standings. And we're like, are they for real? Mm-hmm. Or maybe this is a team that we thought would be good. They're not. And we asked, are they really this bad? Or are they going to turn things around? Yeah. So, and let's start with somebody that our Preds fans know very, very well, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. They're in our division. Believe it or not, they are now... Your division leaders, the Winnipeg Jets, 16-7-1 in first place. They have the same amount of points as the Dallas Stars, despite playing two fewer games. 7-3-0 in their last 10. And are the Jets really this good?
1: I don't. I... I'm gonna be honest with you, of all of the teams in the Western Conference that are surprising, the Winnipeg Jets, to me, I I don't even know what to think about this. Um, they have, you know, they've got Pierre Luc Dubois, they got Mark Shifley, they've got Connor Hellebuck in net. So you know And and that's that one I think is the reason. Let's yeah.
0: say they're as good as they are.
1: You know, so you know that they're, you know, that that they're a team that's got a solid background. And Connor Hellebook is a game stealer. He is an absolute thief. Um, I also think it's interesting that he has David Riddick now as a backup. So probably Connor Hellebook is going to play 78 games <laughs> if the Jets want to stay where they're at right now in the standings they've beat Dallas like they've beat real teams. It's not like you look at their schedule and you go, okay, seriously. But I will say this. If you look at the jets, like late February, early March schedule, they've got like the devils, they've got the Rangers, they've got the Islanders, they've got Edmonton, they've got Tampa Bay. So I'm not going to buy in a hundred percent on the Winnipeg jets until later in the season, because I just can't wrap my mind around it.
0: Yeah. Like this
1: feels a little bit like I see dead people. Yeah,
0: I will say if it makes you question anything. Uh, in the same amount of games, they have scored one more goal than the Colorado Avalanche have, and have given up five fewer goals than the Colorado Avalanche have.
1: Are they good?
0: I I also just I also just looked to see if uh, David Riddick was maybe having a bounce back year. Huh. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> not a, not at all. Uh, I love David some, Riddick. Somehow, statistically, worse than last season so oh, far. Bless. Um, well, Are I, they the
1: real deal though? Like, what do you think about the win? I
0: agree. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not ready to buy in on them 100 percent right now. Like, mm-hmm. let's see if Pierre Luc Dubois is really this good. Yeah. Let's see if Blake Wheeler is really in the midst of a back, you know, a you know, bounce back year you know, after, after two rough years. Um, yeah. I mean, it kind of seems like the Predators last year, doesn't it? Where it's like you had, you know, do and Johansson not scoring and then all of a sudden they're scoring at epic paces and, you know, they have an all world goalie and whatnot. So I think they're there. I mean, I think they're a good team. I just don't know if they're, the type of team that's going to be leading the division at year end, or if they're more of a, they're in the wild card conversation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I, I just can't get my mind around this one of all of them. This is the one that I'm like, I can't make it make sense.
0: Well, here's another one. Uh,
1: A bad
0: surprise. The St. Louis blues are sixth in the central division right now, 12 and 14 and have given up the most goals in the Central Division. Statistically, the worst Central Division defensive team in a division that includes the Arizona Coyotes and Chicago Blackhawks. (laughs) Ouch. And this was a team that we thought would maybe be the second best team in the Central Division. They were the team that gave Colorado arguably their closest fight in the postseason last year. Is this... Who the St. Louis Blues are, are they bad or are they underperforming and going to turn things around in the second half of the year?
1: I cannot, I can't believe that they are where they are and that their season has unfolded the way that it has, because I really, we had talked about this in the preseason. This was the team that I felt like nobody was talking about, but that really was going to be a central division threat. No. Doesn't look that great. You know, at, at at 12 and 14, it doesn't look that great. But here's what I will say. I really do think that the St. Louis Blues are a better team than their record reflects. I don't think where they are now is where they are going to end up. Uh, I think they're going to be in the mix. I think Nashville is going to have to pay a lot closer attention further down the line here you know, towards the end of the season in the early spring, they're going to have to pay a lot more attention to what St. Louis is doing because I do think that the Blues are a good enough team that they're going to work out of it. I just don't want to see Jordan Bennington be too successful.
0: Uh, Jordan Bennington is having a, a very bad year, and I think that's where the conversation starts. Yeah. Uh, I also think they really regret giving Billy Huso up Uh, Oh my goodness. Especially when you look at what he did last night in Tampa Bay. So, (laughs) yeah, uh, giving the Red Wings a win over the Lightning. So, I mean, you look down their lineup, and, you know, Robert Thomas, who signed that big offseason deal, he's like having a good season, but not on pace to where it was last year. Jordan Cairo took a while to get going. Mm-hmm. um you know Vladimir Tarasenko's kind of underwhelmed so is Braden Shin. so a lot of these guys Ryan O'Reilly another another guy you know, Ryan O'Reilly uh is always kind of talked about as maybe being like one of the best like defensive forwards in the NHL uh and i i know you hate this set and but minus 17 this year Oof. and I, and i know not you know say what you will about plus minus as a stat but you know it's an indicator if you're on the ice for 17 more fewer goals you're scoring that that's an indicator that kind of says something
1: yeah yeah I I don't know do you think they're going to be able to make up ground as the season goes on or do you think they're just going to kind of be in the murky middle or lower I mean
0: you know theoretically if you know Ryan O'Reilly who's a you know Statistical seventy to eighty point score can get out of his funk. They need defense. They need yeah, defense they bad do. because a lot of their usual suspects like Colton Pareko and Justin Falk just haven't really been able to do it for them this year. Um, so they they need somebody to step up, and they need goaltending. But yeah, that's the thing. Goaltending uh can be the thing that derails your team, and it's also theoretically one of the easiest things to fix. If you be, yeah. if you're just look at UC Saros and the Preds, once the goaltending got fixed, all of a sudden, hey, the team is on a 7-1-1 and one, one run. How about exactly. that? Uh, let's look at another team, Ann, uh, who is maybe surprising some people a little bit. We've talked about this team a lot. The Seattle Kraken. 15-7-3 <laughs> and three this year. They are only behind the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, who are off to the best start in the Western Conference in the Pacific Division? Uh, they're seven two and one. And Shane Wright just scored his yes. first NHL goal last night against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Ooh, so wait,
1: timeout. Who else scored in that game?
0: Rem, Rem Pitlick. Pitlick.
1: Thank yeah. you. Go ahead. Shane please. Wright.
0: Rem Pitlick. Same tier.
1: Uh, are the Seattle Kraken for real? Okay, here, this hurts my heart to say. Now, look, taking nothing away from the Seattle Kraken, I think that they had a really good offseason. I mean, they got Andre Burakovsky, which I would have personally liked. Love watching little young Maddie Beneers, 10 goals, 11 assists, 21 points last night. Jared McCann is having a good season. You know, God bless Martin Jones. He's, you know, he's hanging in there. Um, They only lost two games in November. Uh, they lost to Winnipeg in overtime and they lost to Minnesota in like a, a one-nothing game. Um, beat the Predators. They beat Vegas. But here's what's real. I'm not 100% sure that I think that this is going to last for the Seattle Kraken. But this is what I will say. It sure as heck is fun to watch. Like, I can I, I am thoroughly enjoying watching the Kraken absolutely shock the pants off a number of teens. I don't know that I think that this is where they're going to end up at the end of the season by any stretch of the imagination, but I am going to enjoy every minute of their success because it's not come easy two years in. This was not the romantic Vegas Golden Knights expansion experience for the Seattle Kraken last season.
0: They're, they're getting a lot of depth scoring, and that's one mm-hmm. of the things that makes you go, "Huh, okay, like maybe maybe they're turning a corner. Uh, they have 12 players with double-digit points this year, and put that in perspective, the Preds have six. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, I mean, and they're another team where it's like Martin Jones has been like, like – statistically not that great but he's been Mm -hmm. like doing enough to still wins and you think like Mm -hmm. maybe that needs to get better um i i I don't know it feels like the way they're winning games is not quite sustainable but i think you're starting to see the pieces come together you know andre burakovsky was their star pickup and he's got 26 points in 25 games uh, you know, Jordan Eberle and Matty Beneers. Matty Beneers uh 21 points this season and 10 yes. goals. So he is kind of looking like a dynamic force. So I think you're starting to see the pieces and come together, but I, I still think we need uh maybe you know another season of yes. seasoning before we say, yeah, they're they're one of the best teams.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that, but they sure are fun friends.
0: Yeah. Um let's see if there is another if there's another team. All right. Let's talk about this can be the last one. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's talk about the Colorado Avalanche, oh, who are God. only one point ahead of the Nashville Predators in the standings. They're 13-9-1. Uh, let's come about it from this. Do we think the Avalanche are going to get to the level where they were as good as last year? Because I think we both agree they're probably going to get better, especially when they start getting some of these injured players back. Good. But are they going to be good as last year? Or was last year kind of the peak mm-hmm. for like this last two-year stretch?
1: had it- the beginning of the season, I would have said, yes, this is going to be a team who is going to be as good. And they lost, like we said, they lost a couple of really big pieces. You know, they lost Andre Burakovsky. They lost Nazem Kadri, which I think is a huge, a huge absence, and it's hard to fill. But the problem right now with Colorado is when you look at their injured list, it is about as long as their roster. I mean, they have Valerie natruskin is out, and he is a whole thing. Archery Lankinen is out. Um, they've got uh, Nathan McKinnon is now out. I mean, just they are dropping like flies in Colorado. And it's, you know, as much as I want to see the Predators do better than Colorado, it's almost become painful to watch So I think so much about where Colorado season ends up has to do with where these people, you know, where their injuries bounce back and, you know, you hate to see it. I'm just not sure that even without the injuries, I'm not sure that they were going to be quite as dominant as they were last season. They were going to be good. And I think they may still be good again, depending on when they get these people back. Um, But they lost a couple of really big pieces. So, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I am of course, never ruling Colorado out. I will say this, the Predators played them twice this month. And if this injury list stays that long and these people need extra time, God be with them. Take, take some time, take some extra time. Yeah.
0: yeah I mean, they, I think have struggled to kind of replicate mm-hmm. what Nazem Kadri did for that team last year, 80 something points. That's yeah. a big gap to fill. Um, and, you know, they are, you know, Arturi Lekkinen. you kind of think is sort of that natural replacement for Andre Burakovsky in terms of depth scoring. He's He's been fine. He's done what he needs to do. But, you know, not having Val Nishushkin has hurt them. Uh, yeah. Not having Gabe Landeskog has hurt them. Uh, and now they're going to have to go a month without Nathan McKinnon. Um, so, in you know, that's, that's the thing, Anne, is if even with those guys back, they're still going to be one of the most elite teams in the NHL. Mm -hmm. It's just, they kind of don't have that back half that made them unbeatable. Like they did last year, you know, when you randomly had like the Darren Helms of the world um, step up and just absolutely, you know, score clutch goals and clutch games and, you know, they did bring back uh, Andrew Cogliano, but, you know, he's old. Hey, now, nicest way to say it, um, <laughs> you know, guys like Alex Newhook haven't quite taken that next step yet. So, you know, I, I would say there's maybe some chinks in the armor for yeah. Colorado this year. Still gonna be a great team, but for sure, maybe not where they were last year.
1: Yeah. And they have got to get healthy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I almost feel horrible for them. Almost. That's
0: yeah, that's, that's the big thing. Uh, What do you guys think? Are the, are the uh, teams we mentioned in the Western conference that are surprises going to stay surprises or are they going to come crashing back down to earth and the usual suspects take over? Uh, let us know, leave us a comment on our YouTube page or send us a tweet at LO underscore Predators. We would love to hear your take. And give yourself a plug. Where can people find your work?
1: You can find my work online at insidethepreds.com. You can find me on Twitter at Ann K underscore Mama on Ice.
0: You can find me at ontheforecheck.com or wingitandmotown.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at underscore NSMorgan. However, you are listening to us, whether you're watching on Loot YouTube or listening on your favorite podcast platform, be sure to subscribe. Really helps us out and you get to know when we put out fresh shows for you. That's going to do it for us on today's Locked on Predators podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We'll be back tomorrow with some Preds versus Lightning preview. See you then.